You're listening to WSJK ESPN 93.5 Tuscola Champaign-Urbana, your home for the St. Louis Cardinals. Appeals. However, court records show he has won a temporary delay in rulings that bar him from running New York businesses and taking out loans from New York banks. An execution on hold in Idaho after officials weren't able to get a lethal injection line in for one of the longest serving death row inmates in the U.S., Thomas Eugene Creech. He's now 73 in prison since 1974. Mr. Creech at this time is back in his cell in F block. Uh, we are planning to allow the death warrant to expire because we don't anticipate a change in status or circumstance that would allow us to continue with the execution today. Idaho Correction Department Director Josh Tewalt says they'll consider next steps. Creech was convicted of five murders in all, suspected of more. His original death sentence had been reduced to life in prison, but he was sentenced to die again for beating a man to death in prison. Stocks finished lower. The Dow down 23 points at the bell. America is listening to Fox News. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Life insurance. Why are you putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think you don't need it? There's lots of excuses for putting off life insurance. But if you weren't there, who would pay the mortgage and other bills? With Ethos, you could be covered in 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at getethos.com. That's getethos.com. Senate Republicans will have a new leader for the first time in nearly two decades. Mitch McConnell announcing he'll give up the post later this year. The president says he has a great relationship with Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, telling reporters in a shouted exchange of questions. President Biden says McConnell never misrepresented anything. The two served together in the Senate for more than 20 years before President Biden was elected vice president in 2008. McConnell announced while he will finish his current Senate term, he will step down as Republican leader in November, a post he's held since 2007. Fox's Jared Halpern at the White House. With a partial government shutdown possible Friday, there's word of a possible one-week spending bill. A Republican source telling Fox News that could get a vote tomorrow, allowing time to vote on several appropriations bills next week. The son of a conservative congresswoman is arrested in Colorado for multiple felonies. Police in rifle Colorado say they've arrested 18-year-old Tyler J. Bobert following, as they put it, a recent string of vehicle trespasses and property thefts. He's facing four felony counts of criminal possession of ID documents and over 15 misdemeanor and petty offense counts. Tyler Bobert is the eldest son of Lauren Bobert. And earlier this month, the congresswoman was given a restraining order against her ex-husband Jason after she said he made threats of harming himself and her. He's denied that, though he was arrested in January, accused of misdemeanor assault and criminal mischief. 
Boebert, who represents Colorado's 3rd District, has announced she's running in outgoing Congressman Ken Buck's 4th District. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Just getting word that comedian Richard Lewis has died. He had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. His publicist says he died at his home in Los Angeles last night after suffering a heart attack. Comedian Richard Lewis was 76. I'm Lisa Brady. This is Fox News. Hey, what's up? It's the Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper riding solo today. Yes, we're trying something new here. No, it's not for the long term. It's out of necessity more than anything. Unfortunately, St. Thomas More loses last night in their sectional game against Lexington. Lante has taken the opportunity, a little bit of gap in between Andrew's schedule for basketball and then baseball getting started up to Go to a familiar place, that being Florida. We know our good buddy likes the sunshine. Hopefully he enjoys his time down south. Uh, a couple of brewskis on the beach, poolside bar, what have you. He made his way down there today. We'll be out the rest of the week. We'll be back next week. Kyle Tosk, unfortunately, is a little under the weather. Said that he would be sounding terrible on the radio today, so we gave him the day off. So you have me, and uh, only me, at least for this first segment. I've booked... Some guests that I'm excited about as we go along at 3.30 here coming up. We're going to talk to Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports. Look forward to diving in deep into college basketball. His thoughts on the Illini as they're in the stretch run of the regular season. What he's seen here recently. What he's projecting as far as their final stretch. We can look at not only the Big Ten picture, which I think on the whole Illinois fans know that it would take Something unforeseen to make this a Big Ten title chase once again. It's a two-and-a-half game lead for Purdue with only, I think, three games left for them. Illinois has four, including tonight. It's a game day, by the way, in Champaign, Illinois, against the Minnesota, Minnesota Golden Gophers. 8 p.m. tip at State Farm Center. That'll be on BTN. You've got Kevin Kugler, Stephen Bardo, Andy Katz on the call on Big Ten Network. I'll dive into that matchup here coming up, and we'll talk about that as we go along at 4.05, Joey Wagner, IlliniInquire.com. We'll pivot a little bit to the football side and talk some NFL draft combine where Joey was over there. Once again, it's kind of going to be a nice routine or a ritual every offseason if Illinois has a prominent name or names to go over there and, and have our website cover and obviously the Illini attention over there. So, I think that's something that 
I'm definitely looking forward to number one, just having Joey set the scene of what it's like over there at the combine. And, you know, you've got like all the general managers over there and uh, Ryan Poles was doing an interview. And of course, Bears fans out there on pens and needles waiting to see Justin Fields or moving him and positioning yourself to draft Caleb Williams. So that's going to be interesting as that happens. But I want to pick Joey's brain about what Johnny Newton had to say today. I know that he had surgery last month on a, a foot issue that has kept him out here recently of some action. Didn't go to any like the senior bowl or anything like that. I don't know that he would have anyway, but uh, he is not going to participate in the NFL draft combine and will hope to have a pro day before the draft. So uh, we'll get Joey's thoughts on that and just kind of the, the current status for him. Keith Randolph, who I know spoke today as well and, and kind of what he had to say someone else that's been dealing with an injury or at least he did through the season and maybe wasn't 100 percent, which we knew he missed a little bit of time but uh, still someone that should be a at least a mid-round pick and have a chance to be a very productive pro and, and work his way into the mix there so uh, and then on the offensive side Isaiah Williams I don't know that he was made available today off to, to get the latest from Joey uh, I know he was churning out some content for Line I Inquirer. I saw he's already got a story up on the front page on Johnny Newton. So definitely check that out if you're interested. And then at 4.30, we'll talk to Ryan James, who covers the Minnesota Gophers for 24-7 Sports. Let's get the opinion of the opposing side. It's been a pretty nice season for Ben Johnson and company. He's been thrown around in the mix for Big Ten Coach of the Year. I'd say as of right now, especially because they currently sit in double by position, Nebraska and Fred Hoiberg, I'd imagine would be the favorite, the the leader in the clubhouse as of right now, going into the final days of February and into March. Because on that note, Wisconsin drops another one last night in Bloomington, Indiana. Kind of a, not just kind of, a wacky scene there at Assembly Hall with the fire alarm and clearing out the building. 20-minute delay. It was a tie game. I know Greg Gard wasn't too happy about that and had kind of a snarky or just sarcastic comment about whoever from Indiana pulled that was making a, a bold bold and wise decision because Wisconsin was making a little bit of a run. They had been trailing, I think, by as many as 15 there in the first half. But, man, Greg Gard's team was a, te- was a squad that was at the top of the, the Big Ten standings with Purdue for a while, seemed to be – I think for the most part, everyone has continued to tab Purdue as the best team in the Big Ten, even when Wisconsin was in much better position. But they were solidly planting their flag in that number two spot for a while, especially when Terrence Shannon Jr. was out for the Illini. Were, I think, projected as highly as a two seed, definitely a three in the NCAA tournament. But their stock continues to fall. They went only two and six in the month of February. So, they're reeling. The Illini get them this weekend in Madison. That's going to be a big game for Illinois in terms of even though the Badgers haven't been playing their best and have slipped a little bit of late, that's still a quad one opportunity for the Illini. And as of right now, they have three quad ones to finish out their regular season. Don't foresee any reason for that to change because you have at Wisconsin, that'll be a quad one for sure. Purdue on your home floor, definite quad one. And then Iowa in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes win last night against Penn State. That's been for a while now, pretty much the the entirety of the season or, or most of the last two months slotted as a quad one opportunity, and that will hold 
with the late season rally that Iowa has has put together. They're still on the wrong side of the bubble. Needed that game in Champaign, I think, really to to put them back even on like that first four out line or, or thereabouts. But they'll need to win at Northwestern, which is coming up, I think, either this weekend or early next week. And then they got Illinois in the regular season finale on their home floor. So uh, that's kind of where things sit. And that brings us to tonight's matchup against Minnesota for the Illini. You look at Illinois, 20-7 and overall, 11-5 in the Big Ten. They're in sole possession of second place in the league. I think a half-game lead over Northwestern. And who is next there? Is it Northwestern is 10-6 and because of the loss last night. I know there was another team, but Wisconsin was 10-6 and going into last night. They're now 10-7. and Nebraska 10-7. and on the note of Minnesota, they are 17-10, and 8-8 eight and eight in the league, so they're, they're middle of the pack as far as the Big Ten goes. To make a, a push to the tournament, it's going to take a lot of work for them here in the final stretch of the regular season and into the Big Ten tournament. They have at Illinois, home against Penn State, home against Indiana, at Northwestern, so it's manageable for them. They would really, really need a signature type of win on the road, and that's kind of been their – their real bugaboo this year while they've had a pretty good season and they've gotten some good wins at home for the most part they beat Michigan State at home they beat Northwestern at home uh, beat a, a team in Rutgers that's playing better of Leo that's not one that looks fantastic on your resume uh, Maryland the, they beat in a close win their early January again another team that doesn't look fantastic on your resume so really there's not a lot of meat on the bone and, and maybe it is just a conversation that isn't going to matter a whole lot. They're 67th as far as Ken Palm and the net. I think they're 77th. So we're probably really talking about more of a an NIT positioning and, and, and trying to put them in that situation on the Gophers side of things. But uh, road game at Illinois, road game at Northwestern, those will be quad one opportunities. But in terms of the Illinois vantage point tonight, there, there's really not a ton to gain. And that's that's kind of what stinks about a game like this is where it can definitely hurt you a lot more than it can help you. Uh, I do think as far as trying to further some momentum and build some positive vibes and positive things on the court before you go into this stretch of three quad ones in March, certainly there's some things that Illinois can look for tonight and try to get out of themselves after a nice close to the game against Iowa, 95-85. And uh, the defense definitely buckled down in the final 12 minutes, only allowing 21 points and allowing Iowa to only shoot 33% during that stretch. So we'll see if that carries over tonight because I think that Minnesota is offensively in particular going to be a decently tough matchup. This is no longer a pushover Minnesota team as we've seen in years past where they come in and they're very, very clearly at the bottom of the league, maybe in in the mix with Nebraska for the dead last spot as far as the Big Ten tournament goes. But with Dawson Garcia, who Illinois fans are familiar with, Illinois nearly got him in the transfer portal after he left Marquette and came down to Illinois and North Carolina. And I remember, uh, I forgot, I was out on the road covering, I think, an, an AAU event just that night, it seemed like Illinois thought they were going to get him, and then something switched by the morning. And uh, I know that at the time there was reports, and and I talked about it that North Carolina came in with a a big NIL projection. Remember back then, where it was it was projections, not actual like guarantees, or uh, it's gotten more and more complex. And 
and more in depth in terms of you know talking to collectives and, and that whole kind of deal especially now that the, there's been that that essential gag order or whatever you want to call it temporary restraining orders the actual term that the NCAA can't really hold anybody accountable as far as that goes after the court ruling that you can have direct pay-for-play conversations with with boosters with uh, collectives and, and whatnot so that can be a very real and involved part of the recruiting pitch but Garcia a very skilled six foot eleven has a lot of offensive ability I mean he was a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school uh, had a pretty you know Marquette was okay for him pretty decent freshman year I think on the whole North Carolina was disappointing ends up leaving there and, and then lands at Minnesota so uh, last year had a productive year him and Jamison battle were pretty much a a two-man show not a very good team but uh, those guys got their numbers and this year Minnesota's better Garcia putting up about 17 a game uh, impactful on the glass uh, as well potentially although he's he's more of a slender guy but uh, definitely has length at at 6'11 can score it definitely with his back to the basket likes to get to his left hand Uh, I think tonight is something we've seen post players hurt Illinois and, and what's you I wouldn't say unique, but what's something that Illini, Illini fans should watch or just look out for tonight is is just the decisions that Brander would have to make as far as matchups. To me, the the most the one that makes the most sense is putting Coleman on him. That's obvious. Even though Dawson's more of Minnesota's four, where they play Pharrell Payne at the five, he's six nine, two fifty five, more of a bruiser. So I think just from a physical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to quote-unquote cross-match that, have Illinois put their four in Quincy Garrier on Payne, have they put Coleman Hawkins on Dawson Garcia, and and we'll see how that goes. Uh, Garcia played well against the Illini last year and had, I think, 18 points in one game, 17 in another, uh, and uh, he was playing their five last year, though. I, he, for the most part, drew a lot of the Dane-Danger matchup when Dane, of course, was playing a lot more minutes last year, and, and it was kind of that contrast I remember in those matchups Dane could could bully him a little bit inside and and on the flip side Garcia could take Dane out to the perimeter and and he's a capable three-point shooter not a knockdown guy and and really uh, looking at some of his numbers as I was putting together my preview it is a situation where his jump shot was more consistent last year than it was than it has been this year the difference for him is that he's been much more effective with his back to the basket in the post, and he's also drawing fouls at a much, much higher rate this year. So uh, that's something that Illinois will have to look towards. On the whole, I think that Illini fans should feel pretty encouraged with the way that this front court has performed of late. We know that Imani Hansberry has been coming along here recently and only continues to have fans clamoring to see more and more of him. And why wouldn't he be a be an active piece in that rotation here down the stretch. I, I think he's going to get those opportunities. And it's been, you know, he's not putting up DMPs. He's at least getting some run and uh, even some decent time here of late. So uh, he's building confidence. He's getting in a rhythm after obviously missing about a month or three weeks with that back issue that, that flared up at Purdue. And then he was out a number of games and, and didn't even dress. But uh, now someone that shows plays with exceptional motor, has an ability to finish around the basket. I think he can be better, and I think he will be better as his career goes on, as he continues to add more strength. And uh, I don't know how much more you know vertical leaping ability he's going to get. I mean, that's not really his game, but uh, he does have to continue to get better scoring against size because he's 6'8", and at this point, because the, 
the jump shot, which has flashed at times, and I know we've heard about it flashing uh, in practice. Brad Underwood's talk about him being a, a decent three-point shooter, and, and they've worked a lot on that. But until he, he really can make that jump shot at a higher rate, probably more of a, a small ball five type of guy, although there, there have been some stretches where you see him with, with Dane Danger, and really doesn't matter if he's in with Coleman Hawkins, whoever you want to deem as the quote-unquote five. But uh, I think Amani will be important tonight. I think Dane could be important again tonight. And I like that Dane got some feel-good moments against Iowa. And I know that he's probably sitting there chomping at the bit to get another opportunity to get in the game and, and execute some of those moves that he made that uh, against Owen Freeman, kind of a like size if he is to match up with Garcia tonight. Uh, at times that I think you can bully him a little bit, although Pharrell Payne uh, for them is, is a physical presence. Illinois is going to have to keep him off the glass. He's a guy that you look at the analytics, he's one of the top offensive rebounders in the Big Ten. So uh, that's one thing that I have kind of thought about to circle back to my original point with Minnesota being a, a, an offensive team that has some things that put some pressure on Illinois' weak spots. Like, number one, Elijah Hawkins as a lightning-quick point guard. I know he's not the best scorer, and especially look at his his home road splits. He's had some some good scoring outings at home, not so much on the road of late. Uh, his last five road games, he's averaged about six points per game, shooting sub-25% from the field. So, uh, Illini fans will definitely hope that that continues uh, as he comes into State Farm Center tonight. But I do think that it's really, really hard to to cut him off. It's really, really hard to keep him from getting where he wants to go, uh, especially when he gets that pick and roll and he's able to kind of get an angle. So Illinois is going to have to bottle him up and also in transition too. That's still something that I think Illinois, if I were to look back on the Iowa game and, and definitely over the last month and a half, two months, Illinois' transition defense has been exploitable. Uh, when you can kind of get them in the open court and force them to stop the ball, which they haven't done all that well, guys have been getting to the rim way too easily, and then also just finding their matchups and making sure you're getting out to shooters and whatnot. And, and that's where I think in the half court, on the note of shooting, Minnesota has that Cam Christie, familiar name, brother of Max Christie, played at Michigan State, it was a one and done, and then uh, he was a target that, um, Cam was that Illinois offered and dabbled with, didn't ultimately push for, and, and the same goes for a team like Michigan State and some other teams in the Big Ten. But Minnesota definitely liked him, stayed on him, and had a, a chance for him to come in and play early. And he's been firmly in the mix in the Big Ten Freshman of the Year race really throughout this season. Owen Freeman has inserted himself really from December on as a, a very big challenger, if not the favorite probably is the favorite as of right now, but their on-paper numbers are, are pretty similar in terms of impre- uh, you know, impressive fashion, uh, both around 11 points a game. Owen, of course, has the rebounding numbers, uh, but Cam's shooting 41% from three on the year, a guy that can definitely get going, has the mid-range jumper too, just a six-foot-six, very smooth shot maker, uh, and I know that, that was that was never really in question when him coming out of high school. was more about athleticism, toughness, uh, defense, how that would look, but uh, he's been a pretty nice piece for Ben Johnson at Minnesota. And in, I think anytime you have a in-state product who comes back home, and look, this isn't unique to Illinois. I think that wherever you are, uh, kind of a, a homecoming of sorts, or just to try to uh, try to get a program that is your home state school that 
or they didn't offer, which of course isn't the case with Illinois and Cam, or, or didn't push, or just for whatever reason it didn't work out. You know, EJ Liddell shouldn't have had some kind of grudge against Illinois. They did absolutely everything they could, uh, especially down the stretch, to to get that thing done. And yet he just, for whatever reason, played his best and and had it, had an edge against Illinois. Now number one, he was just a, a really really outstanding player. But uh, you wonder, you know, is Cam going to have a have a game? Although I will say, when Max Christie came to town, Illinois really shut shut that thing down and uh, were able to to give him a hard time uh, that night in Champaign. So uh, we'll see if they can do something similar and build off again what they were able to do against Iowa. I thought they did a great job of defending Peyton Sanford. Uh, so that's definitely one as far as a, a shooter that they just had success with. Can they do that with Cam Christie? And then also Mike Mitchell is a transfer from Pre- Pepperdine that's come in. He's 6'4". He, he can run some actions through him as kind of a secondary playmaker, but uh, he's also a, a good spot-up shooter. So if you don't, if you let them run in transition and Hawkins is pushing, they had those shooters on the perimeter, that can be problematic if you don't get back and get matched up, you don't get back and stop the ball. And then Payne is, like I mentioned, really good on the glass, plays with the high motor, uh, gets up and down the floor, rim runs really well. And he's also someone that if, if you're if you're dogging it on the way back, if you're lackadaisical, if Coleman Hawkins, if you're talking to the ref at the other end of the floor, that can be something that hurts you. So I, I think this is going to be, even though, again, it's not a game that's going to help you a whole lot if, if you win it, uh, even if you win it convincingly, although I know the net does take into account margin of victory and efficiency of your your offense and defense. Um, really, it's more about the the eye test. I know if you're an Illini fan or if, uh, even if you're the team, if you're Brad Underwood, you're trying to, to get this team to play its best basketball, try to get them to play up to their capabilities uh, at the right time of the year, which we're obviously there. And I think that them being able to present a challenge defensively to a an offense that's been pretty decent uh, would be a nice further step in the right direction before you get Wisconsin, before you get Purdue, and really before you, you head into postseason play. So uh, we'll talk more about this matchup as we go along. I'll also look at the defensive side of things and just more of, of the rotations because I think some people are going to want to know, hey, can Nico Moretti play tonight? How much is that? How much opportunity is he going to get? And, and what role can he have after a nice showing against Iowa? Uh, can Terrence Shannon bounce back? I know that's not really a question. Uh, we all know that, that he can and uh, probably will tonight. You don't get a an off game like he had against Iowa very often. But uh, just what I'll be looking for tonight against the Gophers, uh, of course, we're going to learn more about them as we go along. Once again, we'll have Ryan James on Minnesota 24-7 site at 430. We'll have Joey Wagner talk some football at 405. And then coming up next, we're going to have Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports. He does a great job uh, for our national site. Really has a, a really, really firm gra- grasp on the entire scene across the country. And there's a lot of talking points to hit on. Like uh, I want to, again, talk Illinois, talk big 10, look ahead a little bit to the tournament. But also another thing is, you know, that, that crazy season, silly season, whatever you want to call it uh, of the, what used to be known as an off season that really isn't, isn't very off anymore uh, is right around the corner. Not that we're going to sit here and talk, Oh, you know what? What guy could go in the portal? This guy, this guy, this guy. Really, everybody could go in the portal based on the the current rules. But the coaching carousel is really interesting and of note. Uh, Luckily, uh, on Illinois' side, not for them, but, uh, you know, Ohio State. I want to get Isaac's thoughts on Sean Miller and 
uh, Greg McDermott, although I know he just signed an extension at Creighton, so maybe that takes him out of the mix. I just want to see what Isaac has heard or, or thinks about Ohio State, Indiana, who gets a win last night, but, man, their fan base is pretty much rooting for tank mode. Of course, I've been there as a Bears fan or, uh, you know, just how that ultimately is, what Isaac thinks about Mike Woodson. And uh, there's been a name, been I'm sure those that are on social media have probably seen it, but uh, there's this particular name, one that fans actually hate very, very much around here that has been floated as a potential option for Indiana if they were to go in another direction. I want to ask Isaac about that when we have him on next on the Tapman's Towing phone line. So stick around for all that. If you want to weigh in, you can. 217-359-2255 on the U of I line Lake text line. Questions, thoughts, predictions for tonight, hit me up uh, on the U of I line Lake text line. Let us know. Illinois, Minnesota, I think that spreads around, I think it was 10.5 on a row up the preview. I, I saw somebody post that maybe it's ticked up to 11.5, but uh, I will say Minnesota's like, something crazy 24 and three or something like that against the spread. It's something wild for the Gophers in terms of, you know, covering versus expectation. Uh, but I, I do think Illinois wins tonight. I'll give you my official score prediction before we get out of here, but uh, let's hear from you uh, on the text line. I'll get to those as we go along and then we'll catch a break and we'll get to Isaac Trotter, 24 seven sports joining us next. Stick with us. This is the drive. World. Hi, I'm looking for a refrigerator. When you buy from us, you get the whole store. Oh, yeah, well, I just need a refrigerator. Don't need the whole store. But you get it, the whole store. My kitchen is only about this big. You get me. Hello. All those delivery, installation, and service technicians in back. Wow, all those people? The Dick Van Dyke 510 year protection plan, which means in the unlikely event something goes wrong in the first five years, your repair cost is nothing. Nothing? Ten years parts coverage on the major components. Looks like I'm getting more than the refrigerator today. Um, how much does this whole store cost? Nothing. Come on. For real. We guarantee to beat any competitor's deal, all that other stuff we talked about, like our service tax. And your 510-year protection plan. All included. I'm Dennis Freakin, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. And when we say you get the whole store, we mean the whole store. Wow! Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. When you buy from us, you get the whole Hi, this is Amanda Jean, the founder and planner of Inspire Your Wedding and Events. After the big yes, are you daydreaming about the big I do? Join us for premier, interactive, immersive, inspirational wedding showcase to bring together vendors and couples from all over central Illinois for your big day. Come away with ideas and vendors that will make your wedding one of the most inspiring days of your life. Save the date on Saturday, March 23rd at the historical and unforgettable Orpheum in downtown Champaign. For complete details, visit inspireyour.com. That's inspireyour.com. Here's your OSF Healthcare Medical Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Ahmad from OSF uh, Pain and Spine Center in Urbana, and I wanted to emphasize the importance of how common back pain and neck pain is, and some of the things that can cause that. Back pain is as common as the common flu, and uh, everybody in their life gets some back pain. The uh, most common reason is posture problems or uh, some injuries. And therefore, if initial posture adjustments, some exercises or anti-inflammatory medicines don't 
help, it is important to get a hold of a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor to get examined and see if there are any red flags about any nerve injury or get bones looked at by an x-ray. For more information, visit osfhealthcare.org. Want unbeatable prices on your next furniture purchase, but also seeking that local hometown feel? Look no further than Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. Customers rave about their friendly, established staff, as well as their great selection, amazing prices, and second-to-none delivery service. They're a third-generation local business, and they've always got your best interests at heart. Find the look you love for less. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, but always available online at KelseyFurniture.com. That's KelseyFurniture.com. Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window. And whatever your project, you can count on Kramer Siding to offer you the best products backed by the best warranties in the business and a lifetime of great customer service. And right now, you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks, get 15% off gutter helmet, and you can save 25% on preservation siding, windows, and doors. So call today or visit us at kramersiding.com and let's get started on your project. When you need to cash out part of your retirement savings. I'm Ginny Cosola with your Fox Business Tax Tip. Coming up. Kelly's Accounting does all tax types, individual, corporate, trust, partnerships, and estate, plus payroll and bookkeeping services. Your guardian angel in the finance department. Call their Monticello office, 762-5509, or visit kellysaccounting.com. The required minimum distribution, RMD, is the amount of money you must withdraw from your IRA or other retirement account if you reach the maximum age. CPA John Lieberman, Managing Director of Pearlson Wiener says if you didn't, you'll be penalized. If you're age 73 or older, you should have taken out your RMD distribution prior to the year end because there is a 25% penalty on any of these undistributed funds. If this is the first year you owe, you can pay it on tax day. Ginny Kosola, Fox News. Back in the drive, it's Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper rolling solo, but we got help on the way. Tapman's towing phone line. Our good buddy Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports, does a great job as a national college basketball writer. I had to dial him up today because, number one, we're getting close to March, near tournament time. We're looking at bracketology. We're talking about who's hot at the right time. And then also the coaching carousel and the, the craziness of the offseason is just around the corner. So uh, he's a good guy to, to bounce some stuff off of, interested in his insights. Isaac, how you doing, man? What's up? Doing well. Yeah, it's a busy time of the year because, you know, March is right around the corner and then the portal opens and the carousel's crazy. It's, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like Selection Sunday, the next day the portal opens, and I think both of our lives are just going to go crazy now for the, for the next few weeks because it will be a never-ending stream of news. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if I'll be more busy when the season ends or as this thing goes into postseason play. I'm not sure. Uh, Same. I'm right there with you. And I think (laughs) there are some teams that will legitimately pass on going to the NIT to focus on roster building. I think that's a real legit concern. You know, North Carolina did that last year. 
I don't think they're going to be the only team this year. So I'd be on the lookout for those teams that, you know, are on the bubble right now. If they don't make it, they could just pass on it and just get ready for the offseason because that's almost more important than anything right now. That's a good point. Does Michigan pass on the CBI then, you think? We we never know. Is there a tournament worse than the CBI that they could qualify for? The Gus Macker, I think. I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I do want to talk Illinois, of course. They're going to do battle tonight against the Minnesota Gophers. A decent team, not an NCAA tournament team. Would need to go on some crazy run, maybe even win the Big Ten tournament to get there. But what do you make uh, of the Illini? They did get a nice win on Saturday against Iowa. Their defense finally showed some some teeth to it in the final 12 minutes. But that's been the big conversation around here, Isaac, is that, well, also late-game execution. Of course, Penn State, man, what a wild one that was last week and, and really a, a tough loss for people to stomach. But as we're getting into that that very prime window of wanting to play your best at the right time, of course, Illinois has a, a challenging close after this game. Not that this tonight's going to be easy, but at Wisconsin, Purdue, at Iowa, as I know that you're aware of, what are you seeing from Illinois right now? What, how, how concerning is the defensive end? And just as of as of this current moment, what do you make of this Illini squad? Yeah, I mean, this is a big time opportunity tonight. Just because you look if if you're trying to map out the path to a three seed, right? That probably includes a Minnesota win. You kind of have to win tonight in order to do that. And you know, Minnesota is not an easy matchup, right? Like we're, when you look at some of the advanced metrics with them, they've been terrific at at you know, guarding the rim. Teams are shooting just like 52, 53% at the rim against them. They've they've pivoted to a really big lineup, Pharrell Payne and Dawson Garcia on the floor. So I think Illinois' size will have some tests, right? Like you have to be ready to go on the glass and keep them off of the glass as well. But you look at their smaller guards, maybe Marcus Damask, that sets up for him to, to potentially get back to his booty ball action a little bit, or maybe Ty Rogers can take advantage of some matchups against some of those smaller guards, those Elijah Hawkins. Uh, Mike Mitchell is another guy who's smaller that Illinois could potentially go after. So it's a game I think Illinois should win, and you got to win uh, if you really want to think about a three seed. And, you know, overall, I feel like this group, I wonder if Penn State was an eye-opener for them to really get back and get focused on, on what makes us good. And I think that there's been some real questions about, like, hey, can we get a stop when we want to and when we really need one? Like, they couldn't get that against Northwestern late in the game. They couldn't get that against Michigan State, they really couldn't even get that against Nebraska late in regulation. And I think this group, in order to go where they need to go, they have to be able to, you don't have to necessarily be an amazing defense, but you have to be able to get stops when you need them. And if they can start tapping that button a little bit in March, I think we can have a different conversation because the offense, obviously, is you know one of the best in the sport. Yeah, Isaac, I wanted to get that get to that point with you or that question is is how good does this defense need to be of course it's it's an inexact science because you look at you know usually the range to be primed for a final four you want to be top 25 offense and defense Purdue was that last year and lost in the first round we've seen you know Miami last season was fantastic offensively just put like 89 on Houston in the sweet 16 and then 88 or something on Texas so you can outscore people but you do seem to be a lot more vulnerable if you aren't getting stops even against teams that really you shouldn't lose to potentially in the first round so uh, I think you said it right there if you're kind of an average defensive team this this offense seems capable of of scoring with just about anybody Uh, so I'll flame it to you this way too like what do you think is the difference between the defense that we've largely seen for the last month and a half which hasn't been very good 
and the, a version of this team defensively that, that could be average or maybe even better than that. Yeah, I think it really, it's weird for me when we talk about like historical like numbers, like can you be top 25 offense defense? And you've seen, you know, there's been some really good think pieces out there that have debunked the, hey, you got to be in the top 25 to win, right? Like we've seen various teams do that. But I also kind of want to throw it out because offense is just up everywhere. I think only 55 teams in college basketball this year have a defensive rating under 100. Illinois is right outside the mix of that group. Mm. So Illinois is not the only defense that's really struggling. It's hard to get stops for everybody with the new rules. You know, turnovers are down. Free throw attempts. It's, uh, people are making more free throws than ever before. Shooting efficiency is up throughout the country. Like This is the highest scoring college basketball season that we've ever seen in the internet era. So if you can't score, you don't have a chance. And Illinois can score. So I think that they're one of those teams for me that continue to have a chance to make a run. But but it always comes with a but. You have to find a way to buckle down and just be disruptive. Whether you're taking away shots at the rim, which Illinois has struggled to do as of late, or whether you're taking away threes, which Illinois has done a pretty good job at for the most part this year, or whether you're able to get some turnovers, I think Illinois has to find a way to get a balance of two out of those three things. Like They haven't really turned people over very well, but that was okay if you're taking away threes and you're taking away shots at the rim. When you're not turning teams over and teams are shooting like 65% at the rim like they are against Illinois in Big Ten play, that's a pretty bad combination. So those are the things that I'm looking forward moving forward. Like I know Illinois did a lot less switching against Iowa, and I thought that that was a good thing. Go on a line inquire and check out Michael Tulip's film room with, with Jeremy Warner. I thought that was really good stuff there. And can you tap into that a little bit more to, to really eliminate those breakdowns, those busts? I think that could get you in position to make a run. But if you can't score in college basketball right now, I, I genuinely think that you're going to be in real trouble in the NCAA tournament. Well, I'm hesitant to buy in on on some of those teams that struggle to put the ball in the bucket because there's so many explosive teams and you run into the wrong matchup where you can't go get 80, 85 points, like you're probably going home. Isaac, I want to ask you one more on Illinois before we bounce around here, but of course it's it's bracketology season and you look at the different projections. They don't they don't mean a lot in terms of matchups as of right now. It's it's more of a snapshot of of seeding and you can, you know, get a collection of teams. We've I maybe even talk to you in the past I know we've we brought it up in general like I know that on our little uh Twitter group message uh the idea of a four seed Illinois against a five seed Kentucky wow I mean first to 105 I think that, that would be insane but uh in terms of Illinois at the four spot and let's say it stays there on the Sweet 16 note, what one seed, we've had this conversation, what one seed would you want to see the most if you're Illinois and what one seed would you fear the most out of, I don't think it would be Purdue uh, in terms of like them putting you in that same region, but UConn, Arizona, Houston, is, is there one that, I know you're, you're, you're picking some tough squads to try to differentiate between, is there one that would give Illinois the most problems and there's, is there one that Illinois would have the best chance to advance past in your opinion? Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be super like signing up to play Houston, but that's a team that I think if you're looking at one seeds and you're picking the lesser of all evils, that might be the one. You know, like Houston at times this year, those super elite athleticism teams have given them some problems, and you need a big man that can pass. That kind of fits what Coleman Hawkins does where they can spread them out a little bit. Illinois is really good on the glass. I don't think that Houston's athleticism would be too much of a disturbance for there. And then you kind of look at the shot profile. I, I, the thing I've talked about with Houston basically all year is that 
they play jump shot roulette. Like they shoot the most shot jumpers of any team in college basketball. They get the fewest amount of layups or dunks of any high major team. Mm. And so that could lead them to be a little bit vulnerable. And if you look at an Illinois team that can really score for making the Miami comp last year, how did Miami beat Houston in March? They just had too many bucket getters. And so Houston has some of those smaller guards that maybe you could throw at. Illinois has seen double teams all year long and has a lot of playmakers out of it that can get you good shots. So I think that might be the best one. But again, it's like you're, you really want to sign up for another time of seeing Kelvin Sampson in March. I, I don't know if people will love that. Although I do think Illinois might have the personnel to be more prepared for, for what Houston is going to bring to the table than they were the last time around. And then UConn, probably the team, the one seed you want to see the least. Is that right? I, I think so. That that U, UConn team is is pretty nasty, and you know they are they're really connected. They run really good stuff. And if you're you're talking about an Illinois defense that's been prone to having breakdowns with personnel or busting switches, UConn will find that and they will beat that. Right? Like that's what they're really good at. They 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 have found a way to really crack some of these some of these defenses that aren't necessarily super tied in um UConn too like but they're not they're not vulnerable either too like that's a that's a group that if you were able to take away the three and you're able to really heat up those guards and force them to take some bad shots and force them into those mid-range jumpers they will kind of keep you in the game at times as well but that's a that is one of those teams that I feel like I really don't want to fade at all because it need, it feels like you need like outlier performances to beat them. You need like Creighton needed like what 12, 13, 14 threes. It felt like to beat them or UConn to just go ice cold from downtown. Like you needed Kansas to execute a perfect game plan and get a little bit hot down the stretch at home at Fog Allen to, to beat them. So it feels like you need a lot to go right to beat that UConn team. And that that's not a team I would love to face in March. I don't think anybody wants to play them. Isaac Trotter is our guest on the Tapman Stowing phone line. You can follow him on Twitter at Isaac underscore Trotter. Wisconsin, who of course is Illinois' next opponent after tonight in Madison, I think for sure it's it's still, as we would have evaluated a few weeks ago, a tough matchup, tough or a tough game, I should say. Not necessarily uh, a terrible matchup for the Illini, but anytime you go to Cole Center, your your eyes perk up and, and you know that's a tough, tough environment, tough place to get a win, even though the Illini have stolen a couple the last time they, they've gone up there. What the heck has happened to them, though, Isaac, as you've looked over the last month? In February, they're going to finish out at 2-6, and six, and uh, this was a team that was rolling pretty well through January, and A.J. Storr was playing really well, and, and just some of the complimentary pieces around him. Of course, we know the names, Chucky Hepper and Tyler Wall, Crowell. So as you've watched them, what's different about them, or are they just getting exploited on some things that maybe were already there that – hadn't been to the to that point. Yeah, it's just been it feels like everything has gone wrong that could go wrong with them. You know, like selection from AJ Store has been really up and down and sometimes that can win you a game and other times it can lose you a game. He's kind of one of those guys that I think scares both coaching staffs and he <laughs> rises up for a jumper because you just never really know what to expect with him. And they just have lacked a little bit of that creativity offensively you know they're a really good offense this year but it's really more on like hey we're going to get you with offensive rebounds we, they've shot it well at times they're going to get to the free throw line but when they need a bucket it's aj store and then it's a post up maybe to tyler wall and then it's kind of it right like chucky hepburn has really struggled this year to really find himself offensively max klesman had a couple really big heaters but that kind of came back to earth a little bit and they they play too big too which also jams up their spacing at times and defensively they haven't been that same type of wisconsin level defense that you would expect 
teams have scored at the rim at will, which feels weird, right? When you have Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell on the floor, it's those are the one of those teams that I I'm kind of ready to fade in March, just because if you're giving up that many shots at the rim and that high of a percentage, teams are shooting in the mid 60s against Wisconsin at the rim when you're playing two bigs. That that feels scary to me. So it's a talented team. You know, at some point they they're going to pivot from being overrated to underrated, and maybe we're going to get to that point soon where they're going to be a little bit underrated. But there's a few too many holes in this profile for me to get on board with them as you know a team that I think could make a deep run in March. Now you never know, right? You could get hot, you get the right matchup. Hey, maybe the 13 seed upsets the four seed in Wisconsin, who somehow gets a five because they've had a really good early season resume, is able to to work its way into the Sweet 16, but it just doesn't seem like a group that is really, really meshing at the right time, and they just have a few too many holes. Outside of Illinois and Purdue, who would you bank on out of the Big Ten teams to go on a run? Uh, with Wisconsin, it's kind of, I guess I'm asking, and we don't even know, obviously, with Illinois, if they're a, in that four-seed line or drop to a five or what have you, that you're playing a toss-up game more than likely in the second round and anything can happen, but... Is it going to be another March with the Big Ten not having very many? I think that that's probably the the line of thinking for most. Uh, very many in the second weekend and beyond. But uh, if it's not, you know, if say Purdue gets there, which would be expected as a one seed, if if Illinois does make it there, is there another team that you would think that could could get there as well? Man, I keep I keep looking at Nebraska. You know, they're top forty on offense and defense, so they kind of have given themselves a chance to have a chance. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a really old veteran group. I'm I'm just kind of worried about what seed they're going to get. Like if they're, I mean, it's 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 really set, not set up for them to go on a run because if they're a nine seed or a ten seed, like it, we've seen some outliers, like maybe FAU did it, but it's it feels like that's it's hard. And the Big Ten again, like they haven't given themselves a great chance to have a lot of teams to go deep because Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin are probably the only ones that are going to be in position for a top six seat. Everyone else is going to be in that 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 hell of the 7-10 to 10 range uh, where it's just really hard to advance on the second weekend. But if you're looking for a team, I think it is Nebraska just because you have Casey Tomanaga and obviously get red hot. But C.J. Wiltshire is another guy who can really shoot it from three. If they just have one of those guys get going, along with Rink Mask, along with Bryce Williams. Jawan Gary's healthy now, which I think is a big help for them. He can really guard a lot of different positions. Their role players are really nice as well. You know, Sam Boyberg's come off the bench and been awesome defensively for them. So they have a different gear that I think they can get to, but that would be the best bet. But other than that, it feels like everyone else feels pretty much destined to, you know, to be an early exit just because, just because one, they're not playing great, but two, the seed that they're getting just makes it a really uphill climb. Yeah, it was crazy, guys. Like I was looking at Torvik over the last month and to see Nebraska number one in the country in defensive metrics since February 1st was was definitely a surprise to me when I was looking that up. Did not anticipate that. Uh, I do want to look at, as far as the offseason goes. Just We've seen, of course, the change at Ohio State. Haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about that yet. And uh, I, I did tease before we have you on about a name that's circulating for Indiana potentially. I know it's more of a, an internet Rumor, I'd be curious if you've heard stuff on that too. So let's let's start in that direction before we get you out of here. But uh, Ohio State, Sean Miller, of course, is, is thought to be the the number one target. Greg McDermott's been rumored about it. I know he just signed an extension. I don't know if that takes him out of this mix. I'd be curious in your input on that. But uh, what do you make of just kind of the attractiveness of that job? It seems like a good one with NIL backing and, and whatnot. And just can they get Sean Miller if they don't? Where do they go from there? 
Yeah, that's a that's a job that I think a lot of people want, especially when you factor in the guys on the roster that you could potentially retain. And you know, Grant McCaslin went to Texas Tech and was able to keep Pop Isaacs there. And we've seen you know St. John's, you know, Rick Pitino goes there, he's able to keep Joel Soriano. So if you're a coach going to Ohio State and you get a chance to keep Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale, Felix Okpara, you know, Scotty Middleton, Devin Royal, those young guys, like that's pretty attractive. So I think that McDermott was certainly near the top of their board, and he was pretty much ready to go, and then they beat UConn, and it kind of pivoted to a situation where I think that new athletic director there got a message from the higher-ups that if you let Greg McDermott walk out the door, there was going to be a problem. So Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised to see that extension kick into place there. Sean Miller continues to make a lot of sense. I think that Lamont Paris at South Carolina is probably going to get an extension there, too at South Carolina to keep him out from, from taking that Ohio State job. Of course, he was a former Wisconsin assistant who's done a really good job turning around South Carolina. They won 11 games last year, and now they're you know, in, potent, you know, in the mix to potentially win the SEC their game out of first place as we approach March, which has done a good job. But then obviously the other big name is going to be Dusty May at Ohio State. But I, I just keep going back to Sean Miller. Like That feels like a home run hire. He's a great coach, maybe top five in the country when you just factor in the ability to recruit the portal ability to game plan his x's and o's are awesome what he did with xavier last year was great what he's done this year with this group is really good um, just compared to with all the injuries injuries they've had you know they lost their starting center they lost their starting forward like they've just lost a lot of guys and they're still pretty competitive so miller feels like the home run and if you don't get it then maybe it's a dusty may conversation or maybe then you look at can you can you get nate oats away from alabama although that's a huge huge buyout but it feels like it feels like everything is pointing towards miller and if that doesn't happen, I think a lot of Ohio State fans would feel a little bit disappointed. No doubt about that, for sure. Indiana. So it was funny reading. I was reading through their board last night and, and reading some of the pregame stuff before Wisconsin. And, and look, I've been there before as a Bears fan where you want your team to lose. And it seems like that is kind of the direction this thing is going, where Mike Woodson, anytime he's been quoted here recently, it's not only having – us on the outside rolling our eyes, but a lot, Indiana fans are are pretty fed up and 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 not excited about what's going on there in Bloomington. But uh, Bruce Pearl is a name. One, you know, I know Isaac. With you having been an Illinois alum, you know how Indiana is thought of around here. Throw Bruce Pearl into the mix, and oh my goodness, what uh, <laughs> what a I don't I don't know if that elevates the the rivalry. I don't think Indiana looks at Illinois any differently. But boy, just the disgust that. Illinois fans would have. Do you think that's realistic? Uh, number one, is there a ch- how big of a chance do you think, from your vantage point, of Indiana getting rid of Mike Woodson and just the idea of Bruce Pearl? Is that something you've heard of, or could you see that happening? That would be wild. <laughs> like that would be wild. I mean, think about the personalities in the Big Ten if Bruce Pearl was there. I mean, wow. Bob Izzo, Bruce Pearl, Brad Underwood. I mean, some of these officials would have to like put hearing aids in so they don't have to hear <laughs> some of the words coming out of the mouth of these coaches that would be after them, right? Like, that would be uh, absolutely. So that so I haven't heard a lot of Bruce Pearl to Indiana buzz, but I guess it would make some some sense, right? Bruce Pearl has done an absolutely outstanding job at Auburn. Like that's a football school that he has turned into a big time basketball program, like the jungle is one of the best home court advantages in all of the sport. He took him to the Final Four in 2019, back-to-back tournaments in position to go to a third straight tournament this year. Like, that's a – I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. I just feel like he wouldn't leave there with how, how they have it humming, especially on the recruiting trail and their, and their spell in the portal. 
But like with Indiana, when Indiana comes calling, I think you probably have to at least listen to the conversation, right? It's one of the potentially one of the better jobs. We know that they have great NIL resources. They flex their muscles in in the transfer portal the last couple of years, but it hasn't necessarily fully worked out. And I just assumed that Mike Woodson would probably be allowed to go out on his terms, whether that's next year or whether that's the following year. But I think that this late season swoon has started to put the writing on the wall. I mean, Indiana's outside the top 100 on Ken Palm right now. Like that, mm. that just doesn't happen at a program like that. That hasn't happened in you know well over a decade since the Tom Crean like 2009, 2010. I mean. Rattle off the names on that on that team. What was that? Burdell Jones, early Christian Watford, like Mo Creek, right? Like, like those are some of those early, early days. It's been a minute since since Indiana has been this bad, and you just have no like. There's no excuse for it. You're Indiana. You're in year three. You have nil. You have a great sell with Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchinson in the NBA, and to be this rough, just it just doesn't make sense. So I think they'd be in the best interest of the program to make a move. But I really don't know if they're going to do it because Mike Woodson is a program guy, right? A former player. And I think if we've seen anything, we know that those type of guys who have put blood, sweat, and tears into those programs, they get a bit, a little bit of a longer leash uh, from the administration. There's no, no doubt about that. But it is a situation like you're kind of hitting on. Number one, Indiana is not a place that's patient. Number two, when you get NIL and the chance to you know have a big offseason to really change the direction of your, your program or your team, uh, it's hard to maybe go against that because, and then also, it seems like a, just a lot of names in the mix, some big, heavy hitting type of names in this coaching cycle that could potentially be out there. Could be a real window of opportunity. I know that Dusty May, if he doesn't go to Indiana, maybe that's one that they've thought about, or maybe it is even uh, a bigger fish. But real quick before we get you out of here, on the note of in the outside the top 100 on Ken Palm and being an alum in a certain program. Is Juwan really going to stay? Because that's been some of the reporting, but in terms of bottoming out, man, it's that's been brutal there in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I don't think they're going to fire him. I really don't. Wow. I think if he leaves, it's retirement, or not retirement, uh, resign slash move or health-related stuff. But I, I just I don't see them firing him. And I, I don't know why, but that's kind of the word on the street right now. And it, that just is what it is. I. Maybe you give him one more chance to turn this around. You know he has talent coming in. He has a top 40 guy in the in the class of 2024 coming. But it, it just feels, again, it feels like the writing's on the wall. It, it's Michigan basketball. You were not in the Final Four that long ago. Like, it should not be this bad. And so it's just wild to see Indiana and Michigan this bad. Like, it's just, it's never happened in my lifetime where both of these programs have struggled at the same time at this, at this expense. And I don't think a lot of people saw it coming heading into the year. Isaac, you do a great job, a lot of knowledge. We appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and uh, to provide me some company on this lonely day. So uh, it didn't feel so lonely talking hoops. We appreciate you, and we'll catch up, especially as we get into March. So thanks, man, and we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me anytime. Absolutely. Isaac Trotter does a great job, 24-7 sports. Once again, follow him on Twitter at Isaac underscore Trotter. Busy show continues to roll on. Joey Wagner coming up. Next, after this break, then Ryan James, before we get out of here, he covers the Minnesota Gophers for the 24-7 Sports site. We'll get his thoughts on Illinois and Minnesota tonight. Once again, 8 p.m. Central, State Farm Center. I should mention, if you're going to the game, say you don't want to pay for parking, you want to get dropped off, you know, it's cold out there, you want to get dropped off right at the front, Pia's fan bus leaves 45 minutes before tip-off. Pia's on Springfield Avenue, great place to have some drinks, have something to eat. Go over there, uh, say that the, 
the drive sent you. And yeah, uh, saddle up on the fan bus. They'll drop you right off. They'll take you up after the game, take you back to Pia's. It's a good deal. So, all right. Speaking of good deals, Joey Wagner hopping on the Tapman's towing phone line with us next to talk NFL draft combine. Stick with us for that. This is the drive.